Welcome to the Paul George Show. Great to you today. Thanks for listening in, Paul George. Adam Conn Studio, how's it going, man? It's going great. You know, happy Friday to everybody. I know every day feels the same, but um, it's it's still Friday. Yeah, actually, and I want to welcome Chad, producer Chad. We actually have a Chad cam in, so for those of you guys who've been listening to the show, wondering what Chad looks like, mm. we got him in the uh, the bottom right corner of the live feed, but he is in the studio. Yeah, happy to grace Facebook with my face. I know. I know. He's he's the best looking one in the studio. <laughs> it's great to be with you guys. I want to welcome everyone listening on the podcast or on the radio show here on KLFT Radio or on the live stream on Facebook. If you're on Facebook uh, listening to the show live, you can make comments in the section, ask questions. We'll get to some of those, producer Chad, during the show. Uh, so it's great to have you guys listening in. Adam, man, we've been blessed with some good weather. And it is a blessing, and everybody's saying that, but it's totally true. Um, can you imagine this quarantine situation where it was horrible weather outside? That would be terrible, right? Terrible. If it was the middle of June, July, when it gets 1,000 yeah. degrees outside. But we can go outside, and enjoy. we've been playing a lot of basketball with my family. I don't know about y'all, but um, you know, I still have a lot of young kids, and basketball is like the most amazing thing to them um, today. So yeah, we've been outside a lot. A lot uh, you know, working out, whatever. My kids are doing school, but they're almost done with that online. Uh, but anyway, today or end of April, it gets extremely hot, right? Mm -hmm. So we've been blessed with that. Uh, so it's great, and we're going to get to some exciting things, at least in Louisiana. In our diocese, we've been able to get to some outdoor masses, which has mm -hmm. kind of been cool. Great. I got the Catholic tan going on. Yeah. Oh, You're kind too. of brown anyway, oh, yeah. Ben. Well, I think it's hard to see in this light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But absolutely. All right. So uh, we're going to get to uh, have you what section. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? All right, producer Chad, uh, what you got today? Paul, have you seen the news on the murder hornets <laughs> that have been making their way into the United States? Look, I've heard about them, and the name just really kind of gets me. Like, a murder hornet. Okay, any idea uh, where that comes from? <laughs> they kill people. They kill people? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because someone, someone told me that they're called murder hornets because they actually kill bees. They do yeah. do that, too. Okay, so they, they... Well, it's not only that they kill bees, it's the way they kill bees. So they just murder everything. It's graphic. Like, really? They, they pull them apart. Whoa. Yeah. It's bad. They have these big stingers, though, like... They don't just use those? Well, they use their jaws as well. Like, they just... Oh. And, yeah. I mean, it's something. They are capable of breaking through beekeeper suits, of stinging through beekeeper suits. Okay, so they're called murder hornets because they, they also um, murder people or, like, if they attack, like, what... They're what? potentially deadly to humans. That's what they say. Well, I okay. saw that 50 people died in China from murder hornets last year. Whoa. 50 people. So that's 50 out of a billion. You know, let's keep a perspective, but still 50. Now, look, if you step on a hornet nest and a ton sting you, yeah, you have potential to die because of the, the venom in their sting or whatever. Mm. It's just funny that they're called murder hornets, right? Like literally. I think they're huge too. I think they're really big. Really? Oh, yeah. They're like two inches. Wow. Big old hornet. Okay. Uh, There's some good news to this though. Okay. There's a video on Twitter posted by, the Twitter handle is Nature is Metal. That's the Twitter handle. Okay. And uh, it's a video of a praying mantis eating a murder hornet. Nice. All right, so if you want to get rid of murder <laughs> Those hornets. praying mantises or something <laughs> else. Just get a, serious. a praying mantis. That just tells you the power of prayer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Prayer All right. over murder. Anyway. <laughs> we Actually, that was – I. so we get to the have you seen section, and Chad throws something out. And I usually have like a backup thing that I've seen. But that was the backup thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do so, have, an, have another – 
have you seen if you want. All right, we'll save it for later. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, I want another one. Right. right. Okay. Um, so I want to thank everyone for listening here live on uh, Facebook Live. We are recording uh, the podcast and the radio show for KLFT Radio uh, and the Paul Jar podcast. So we're live. So if you have comments or sections, you're watching live, you can do that. Ask questions. Uh, it's crazy because in the church right now, uh, we're leaning up to Pentecost, right? And I love this season uh, in the church. And in in the readings, we stick, you know, in the first reading, we stick to the book of Acts. It's like a walkthrough to Acts, right? Which is leading up to Pentecost. And we see, um, as you guys have been paying attention as well, is that we've seen the conversion of St. Paul. And now this cat is just off to the races preaching the gospel. I mean, he's just like set loose and it's pretty amazing to see. It is amazing to see. And I love this season too, because I mean, one, you just can't help but feel the the Holy Spirit start to come into the church in a new way as we prepare for Pentecost. Like it's it's not just oh we're remembering this happened, but God's grace is really palpable for me at least. You know, I could almost right. feel this energy, this Holy Spirit that is um preparing the church for that moment. And we read these the Book of Acts and we we read our origin story. You know, we have all these superhero movies with origin stories. You know, yep. mm-hmm. Spider Man was bit by a bat. I'm, I'm a spider. Just joking. Um, <laughs> You know, Batman... Becomes a bat? Becomes a bat, you know? Well, okay. It, <laughs> he looks like a bat. Man. That's why they call him you guys. Maybe I missed the You've origins. never watched Batman? <laughs> he looks like a bat. <laughs> he looks like a bat, That's Chad. why. That's we, why the name. <laughs> like, man, these modern movies must have really... So how is this tie into St. Paul? Well, the thing is, this is our origin story as oh, a church, gotcha, right? Yeah. Like, Christ... There's a book about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Gospels, right? Right. The church has a book. It's like our comic book. And our origin story is the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what happened to us. Spider-Man got bit by a spider. We got bit by the Holy Ghost. Amen to that. You know? Mm. And, like, this is our superpower. I knew you were going to tie it in <laughs> to some type of sting, right? But like, this is our And superpower. it's all going to, the whole show is going to go back to the murder hornets. <laughs> it you, really you is. Be, you could be murder hornet man. You could. I'm not. I'm not big enough. But you're tall enough. You could pull it off. Maybe um, next Halloween, <laughs> I'll dress up like a murder hornet, mm-hmm. a stinger. Yeah. But, no, but I think you're right. Like, like in some ways, this season in the church gets me excited, and in some ways, I kind of grieve a little bit. And let me tell you why. Because uh, it just feels like when I'm reading the Book of Acts, it it doesn't seem like in a lot of ways like we're we're doing a lot of that today. Like, there's not a lot. You know, I'm not in a judgmental way. I'm just saying, like, the church has kind of gotten a little bit lazy in its evangelization or its preaching or, you know, its its enthusiasm, its vigor. And if it was really Paul's conversion and the Holy Spirit that we see at Pentecost where the disciples go out and they share the good news, they preach repentance, they preach conversion, they preach salvation, uh, and, and they didn't stop, right? Like, they just did it. So I get really excited about that, and in some ways I'm like, okay, what what happened? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like no, uh, yeah, you know, I and I often just think about that, like, you know. So I think that we're in a time and a season right now, in particularly with like this pandemic, like everyone's kind of slowing down a little bit, just and but we're all worried. I I, I just believe that it's it's a 
it's a new sting mm-hmm. for us in the church to get a new vigor for our faith and for sharing our faith and spreading it, right? Because this is the time. I mean, it is it is a golden time of evangelization. We've already seen this online. As the church gets more online, I mean, it's not rocket science here. You're going to get more conversions. If we preach the gospel in new and creative ways, what happens? More people hear it and more people accept it. It's just, This is how it works for 2,000 right. years. Um, but the church is, is coming around to a lot of online evangelization, but that needs to translate into now we're going to meet in person for the first time, right? Like you, you saw the videos, you got, ex- you got interested, but now you're actually going to show up and become part of the community. And that's where we need the Holy Spirit, I think, is like as we move into this wave of evangelization and welcoming new people into the church, we need the Holy Spirit to make it actually work. Because um, this is not man's word that we preach, but it's God's word. And, and you're right, Paul is a little sadness. I remember um, Pope Benedict XVI, he was uh, talking about preaching one day, you know, and he asked this question, has, has our preaching lost its salt hmm. in the hmm. church? You know, because I think he does the same thing. You look back at Acts, you, look, you read the lives of the saints, like St. Saint Anthony, who was not incredibly intelligent in the sense of he didn't study theology in and out to be able to preach about it, but the guy was converting people left and right. And it's like, what have we lost? You know, like, what have we lost that we can't go out and preach and get new Christians on a daily basis? And I think that's what you're getting at, is what have we lost? Has our preaching lost its salt? I think we've, yeah, in a sense, lost our salt. I think we don't want to hurt people's feelings. You can't have a conversion unless you're convicted. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't convert unless like you're convicted. If not, you just kind of stay where you're at. And um, I, I just don't know how convicted we are or how convicted our words are for folks, you know, because if you convict people, then you make them feel uncomfortable. They may not like you, right? And, you know, I don't know if St. Paul really cared so much if people liked him as much as he cared that they heard the Word of God, right? Mm-hmm. That the the disciples were, after Pentecost, just set set free to preach the Word, and, and if they lost their life, they lost their life, right? They weren't trying to, like, make friends in a sense of, like, that took priority over the message, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I've often said Pope Benedict is like a modern-day prophet that we don't know as a prophet till probably after he dies, and then we go back and read like mm-hmm. some of his writings and homilies and books and be like, dude, that guy was like spot on, you know? Yeah, on so many things. Yeah, so many things. So many things. <laughs> All right, so we got to get our sting back, right? We got to get our vigor back. Um, we got to read our own origin story. Imagine if... Spider-Man just went back to school and did nothing. I think he tried a couple times, actually. He was like, I just can't take this anymore. Well, the disciples could be back, a normal kid. They went back to fishing, right? They went mm-hmm. back to fishing uh, before Pentecost because they didn't know what else to do. They didn't know how to act. They didn't have that vigor, that, that conviction. But I think the great church sin is when we start to act like the world. Right. Like mm-hmm. the whole point of the project is Christ called us out of the world to save the world. Right? That's the way he put it. I've called them out of the world. And the great sin we commit is when we start to act like the world. Right. When we don't look like the church anymore, when we don't act like the church anymore, we nullify why Christ even came. That's true. You know? All right, thanks for listening in. We're listening in on the radio station, KLFT Radio. Uh, For those of you guys listening on the podcast or on the live stream on Facebook, uh, we're going to take a break, actually, for the show. We'll stay live on Facebook, and we'll be right back. 
The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Conk. We are live here for the Paul George Show, talking all things art of living, and we got producer Chad there in the corner. Loving yeah. the Chad cam. I yeah, see so him. for the last few weeks, nobody knew what Chad looked like because <laughs> there was no cam. We figured it's out like how, the to, Wizard of Oz. how to get a third camera. Do you know Kinda that movie? That I do know that movie. But <laughs> you get, actually have the best um, the best seat in the house. Like If you could turn your camera a little bit that way, Mm. And people can uh, see. Hopefully, uh, you got the a little behind. Divine Mercy felt banner behind you. Yeah, being in a sound booth, we we only wanted fabric, you know. Yep. So we got us a, a felt it's banner. Fabric, but the words Jesus, I trusted you. I can't tell you this right now. Like, if there's any statement that I need, like that's just sitting on my mirror in the morning, that's sitting on my dashboard when I drive, it's that statement right there. Like Jesus, I trust in you. Right. So like. You know, we're in this interesting season in time. Like I was reading today that the unemployment rate is at the highest it's been since the Great Depression, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we're like in between 15, 14 and 15%. Uh, people are stressed. We're still, you know, quarantined a little bit. There's a lot of things that aren't normal as they were. And, you know, anxiety and stress is high, right? And like I even find for myself, I don't know if you guys are perfect at it, but I'm not. And... You know, if there's one statement that I can repeat or need to repeat over and over in my mind as a constant prayer is Jesus, I trust in you because I have no idea what's ahead. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. The awesome thing, too, about that phrase is where did we get it? He gave it to us. He gave it to us. That's amazing. It's almost like in the Gospels when the disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he says, our father, Jesus, I trust in you is that level of prayer. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm, Like it's. He gave the prayer to us. He said, "This is have this image made and inscribed at the bottom, Jesus, I trust in you. And so it's, it's really us praying the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. It's a powerful thing. In addition to the fact that that is our main disposition, Jesus, I trust in you. As long as we're trusting in him, we make it to heaven, right? Like that's the end goal. Trust in him every day, you get there. Um, but it's a prayer he gave us. All right, so I want to get to something. And Brenda Fox made a comment on here. You guys don't know Brenda, but I know Brenda. Brenda and I met in Phoenix, Arizona. I worked at a church out there in Mm -hmm. 1997, 98. Okay. It was last century. Yeah, so I'm getting old. (laughs) It is. 98. Uh, So Brenda is from Phoenix. She says, hey, Paul, wow, this is cool. Hello from Phoenix. Glad uh, you've you've got the show. Uh, So cool. Um, But here was one of the coolest things about Phoenix, okay, is that uh, it rarely rained. So the the annual rainfall in Phoenix, Arizona is seven inches a year. Cool. Okay. Compare that to Louisiana, it's around sixty. Oh, really? Okay. So if you do the compare, it's like it was always sunny. Now, certainly hot in the summers, but mornings it was always nice. Evenings and then when it's not summer, it's just nice all day. But one of the things that they had at church is an amphitheater with an altar. And they would have outdoor masses. 
like not just like you know randomly like you know often overflow masses uh one of the greatest was the sunrise mass at easter so they would plan mass would start when as the sun came over over the horizon it was like amazing wow. early in the morning which brings me to the fact that uh this past sunday at least in our diocese in lafayette um they opened up masses to be outdoors right and it was like last minute it was like mm -hmm. i don't know adam mm -hmm. you, like you heard like on friday before the sunday yeah the way it went down for us our governor made that announcement thursday we could do it friday the bishop said yeah let's do it and then saturday we had to have masses you know so mm -hmm. it, was, it was quick and the weather was great it reminded me of living in phoenix because i was like sitting in an outdoor mass i was sitting in a lawn chair right mm -hmm. in the parking lot but i got to go to mass right like it was just and I hadn't been to Mass in, what, nine weeks? Something like that? Wow. Eight? Mm -hmm. well, how long has it been? It's been a while. It's been a while. Now, you, Adam, you've been able to go to Mass because you helped yeah, serve the liturgy. Yeah, I feel so bad liturgy. about that. But so you don't yeah. count because um, you you work at a church. Uh, Brenda says, uh, yes, yes. Um, and she does a little emoji with a cactus because uh, that's cool. You can go to Mass with a cactus in the background phoenix which is kind of that is pretty yeah. cool yeah so That's any other comments Chad, never seen a real live cactus um yeah. yeah they said they were packed and that other churches had outdoor masses and yeah yeah uh, bobby says uh paul you're old no mm. yeah, yeah you know i was two years old in 1997 paul <laughs> <laughs> oh producer chad saves the day <laughs> um so anyway uh what was the greatest gift that you guys saw with um just having mass as a community like what was your experience? Yeah, I um, just, I don't know. It was, it was a joy to see everybody. Like, it, it reminds me of the church as like a communal place, like a place where people can gather. I mean, you know, the sacraments and everything like that. But right. um, it's kind of, you know, where the church was a long time ago, where we have places now to gather, you know, that's outside of church. But it was one of the few places people can all come together mm -hmm. and be in community with their God and their, their church. And I just thought it was a beautiful. Yeah. One of the funny things is we got see. like an email. Okay. Explaining the outdoor mass and like what you can and can't do. Okay. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, receive on the hand, yada, yada, here's what's going to happen. But one of the things was, uh, at the sign of peace, you could, you can bow to other folks <laughs> at the <laughs> sign, of, sign of peace. I know. It, it was so funny because like, uh, it was like the uh, it was like we were all just like you know bowing to each other's, but it was so like weird because you want to hug people because it's community you haven't seen people in a while, but you couldn't you just bowed to them and then at the end of mass they're like okay you can't like hang out with people, um, you could just leave, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the great thing was being for me it was, uh, you know, outside of receiving the Eucharist for the first time in eight weeks right, uh, and being able just to to be in the presence of Jesus uh, was just to have that communal prayer, you know, mm -hmm. as a church, you know, because uh, yeah, well, we weren't created to, 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 to go to mass virtually like mass is community, right? It's a communal prayer. And I think I gained a deep appreciation of that because I have, have continued to go to mass uh, at the church where I work because being part of staff helped put on the masses. And so at first it was like, wow, how important mass is just by itself. In other words, there's just a few of us here in the sanctuary. Mass is happening. It's an amazing thing just in and of itself. But I was struck when we had community join, like how important the community is for Mass, for every Mass, you know? Yeah. Um, 
that that was striking to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember well, on Monday we had um, adoration and mass outdoors and just seeing all the young people come. I mean, young, like high school aged, college aged kids coming to mass and adoration as a place to gather where they didn't really have, you know, it was just, it seemed really important that they could gather in the church or at a church and not in the church. Yeah. But, well, and the one thing, you know, you know, we were talking earlier in the first segment is saying, you know, you know, the early church, you see this passion, this enthusiasm. Um, I saw that on Sunday because I think what's been taken away, I think the church has been cr- more creative than ever to get the message out. And that's been very positive. And I think the church, like, it didn't just, you know, like, here's the thing, Adam, is like where you work, you, y'all could have said, oh, we didn't get the word till Friday that we could have an outdoor mass. That doesn't give us enough time to do one on Saturday and Sunday. Okay, so we're just going to, like, opt mm-hmm. out and go to next week. You just, you were so excited and passionate. We're like, we're going to just do it. Like, the turnaround is going to be quick. That's what we saw a lot of churches do, and, and that's the type of enthusiasm and passion that we need for our faith. Is like churches like, okay, we, it's not going to be perfect. Let's just put it on our Facebook feed and email. We're having mass outdoors on Sunday, you know, and people showed up, right? That mm-hmm. was a beautiful thing. Like people obviously showed up because they're hungry for the Eucharist, for community, for the mass, right? Mm-hmm. For the word of God. And I think connecting that to our earlier conversation about preaching is that that's the right disposition to hear the Word of God. When you're hungry, when you're looking for something new, when you're looking, you know what I'm saying? Like for us Catholics, I think part of it is our preaching. The other part is the person who's hearing the preaching, right? Like our disposition needs to change. And for a lot of us, it has been changed by this. We've been humbled by it. We've been um, made low to where we, we, we're not in control of our lives anymore. We know that. And so we know we need Jesus. We're hungry for the Eucharist. And for a lot of us, that homily back at Mass, I saw people crying. You know, I saw people crying when they received communion. I saw people crying for the preaching. Yeah, no, I, it was definitely moving. Did you see anything funny? So we're in the middle of the parking lot, <laughs> and everybody's spread out. So it's like, you know, like, we're way back, you know, from like the altar. Like, uh, you know, I would say we we're probably... 150 yards, you know, from the altar. You really? know, so like, yeah, under a tree and like people are spread out and distancing <laughs> and then like you're in mass. Okay. So, but you're outside. Okay. And then this guy just rides his bike through a parking lot, through the, right through the mass. <laughs> he's got a bike <laughs> and he's got a sign on the front of his bike, you know, asking for money, but he doesn't stop and ask for money. He literally rides right through mass, right through the middle of mass and grab something off the table. There's a table with like uh, the readings, uh, um, you know, the, the mass mm-hmm, readings, mm-hmm. okay, books, a missalette. Mm-hmm. He just grabs a missalette and just keeps on riding down the street. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did that just happen during mass? It's like, that's hysterical. And you, you could think like in the times of Jesus, say the Sermon on the Mount or, you know, the, you know, the, the multiplication of the fish and loaves. Jesus is preaching to all these people. And somebody just like walks through, like what's going on, and you know, just grabs sure a piece happened. of fish and just keeps yeah. going. You yeah, know, didn't I'm sure stop. that happened. Absolutely, and that's that's that that was hysterical to me because I was like, you know, there it was, just somebody on a bike right through mass. Well, you yeah. never see that. Yesterday at the eight a.m. mass, we had right outside our door, so we we did mass on the plaza right outside the building, right, and it's downtown Lafayette. I mean, throughout the mass, people are riding their bike down the street or walking by, and they're like, "What's going on?" And I've, I saw at least three people actually come join us. Mm. 
One was obviously not Catholic. Um, another one just stopped at the end of Mass to receive the blessing. They're on a bike, made the sign of the cross to get the blessing, and they kept going. And I thought, how cool is this, and why don't we do this all the time? Mm. Uh, so let me just tell you a little. I almost got fired at church in Phoenix. So they have an amphitheater <laughs> with an outdoor Mass, and uh, it's beautiful. Um, and so we were doing our youth night in the amphitheater. Okay, so it's a long time ago. Well, on the checklist, I did not think that um, to turn off the sprinkler system. <laughs> so sprinkler systems are a deal. If you want grass in Arizona, you got to wet it every day, right? Well, those come on at night so it can the, the grass can stay wet all night and kind of absorb it. So it's at night, and then we're in the middle of our youth night, hundreds of kids in the amphitheater, right? And then there were guests from all over the country who, you know, would, would stay and kind of, you know, look at the at the youth nights and stuff. And then the sprinklers just came on. <laughs> like like all of them. Poof. You know, and just <laughs> everybody just like took off running. It was, yeah, it was a disaster. That's hilarious. But what was funny is that our some of our volunteers who were like doing this, it happened during a skit. They never budged. They just kept doing the skit and never moved. <laughs> it was like, man, you guys are like well trained. You guys are awesome. I'll never forget. It was it was pretty fun. Anyway, but I almost got fired for it. Mm. You know, one of those moments. Like, how could you? And I was like, I, I didn't. I didn't know I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> you don't sprinkle anything, man. It rains. That's it right. rains every day. Like, why would I be thinking sprinklers? <laughs> but you know, I'm glad you made it through that. I've had many, you know, almost been fired moments. You know, yeah, as you do. So, but that's probably just me. You guys are perfect. <laughs> So anyway, uh, you are listening live on Facebook. Uh, we're recording the podcast and the radio show for KLFT Radio. Uh, the show will air this afternoon and tomorrow, and the podcast will be uploaded so you get to see the live actual um, recording of it. We've got Adam Conk um, and producer Chad in the court. Chad, you said earlier that you had another Have You Seen. Yeah, kind of relates to Murder Hornets, but not at all. Kind of. So kinda, I don't know if you saw, but... Iron Mike Tyson's considering getting back in the ring really? for some little exhibition the matches. Bo the boxer. Now, how old is he? Is he in his 50s? 53. Fit uh, yeah, 53. Okay. I think. Okay, so here's a question. He's 53. He was a world champion boxer, okay? And then, you know, he got beat a couple times, you know. But here's the thing. People would go into the ring for him and get paid a million dollars, and in three seconds or one round, they would be out. Right. I still get a million dollars to lose. Yeah. So would you guys hop in a ring with Mike Tyson for one round, knowing that you you will get knocked for out? For a million dollars? Yes. Yeah. At 53, too? I mean, like, did you see the training video yeah, that was released? Yeah, he's punching really fast. Oh, it's scary. Yeah. I don't know. That's a little terrifying. Yeah. I'd do it for a million. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Think of my wife and kids, man. I know. I get beat up for my. I get beat up for a million. You know, when I taught theology to high school students, this was a question that came up often: was Is it okay to do uh, boxing, prize fighting? Like, is that cool? Is God okay with that? We'll have our friend Damon mm -hmm. on, and we can ask yeah, him that question. Should. Damon's his great answer, great, for it. faithful Catholic, and he is a um, MMA fighter mm -hmm. for a while. Owns a gym. Great guy. So we'll we'll actually have him on before we answer this question. Let's do it. Um, Producer Chad, can you line up an interview? I can, yeah. With an MMA Definitely. fighter? Definitely. Okay. Not, uh, I guess, 
Maybe not today. No, right. not today. So we got some comments <laughs> uh, for the show. Um, Ashley Curtin says, uh, it's sometimes hard to turn off sprinklers. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> it was definitely hard for me. Uh, yeah. And um, so, and Brenda says, uh, classic moment, Paul. I don't know if Brenda, you remember that moment or if you were there or heard of it. It's probably legendary. Cause, uh, That's Paul, so Paul. I almost got fired so many times. <laughs> um, but anyway. It's a part of working in youth ministry. It is part of working in youth ministry. It's messy, you know. Yeah. Well, all ministry is messy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I and in part you you're right. And in part ministry is messy. Like, can you imagine the early church? Like, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't clean. Like, um, and they didn't all get along either. I mean, you got Paul and Barnabas with their f- famous feud, splitting ways. Right. You know, mm-hmm. both saints. It wasn't perfect, but you know, I think today like we try to have it all together it's like if it's messy like we're super uncomfortable with it and we don't want to do it i don't know i i, I can't imagine that pentecost was really clean and together right they didn't have to set up the the speaker fo- speakers and microphone system oh. and <laughs> they just got out there and, may, and maybe that was it like they just they were so like empty that they they were just receptive to the movement of god and the holy spirit came well, that's the thing. The emptiness. There's a there's a holiness to being empty. It's different than you know, like in Eastern religions, the idea of emptying your mind, emptying your soul. Like that's not what we mean exactly. But there's an emptiness to us where we've given everything. This is the emptiness of Jesus. Jesus emptied himself to the point of the cross. Right. When he actually says he emptied himself, taken on the form of a slave. Exactly. Right. Where we give it all. Right. So it's not like there's nothing there. It's that everything that God has given us, we've turned into a gift back to God, 100%. That emptiness is necessary to receive the Holy Spirit and to act by the Holy Spirit and to preach by the Holy Spirit and to do ministry. Because without that emptiness, I'm full of myself. You know, this is what John prayed for, that he decreases and Christ increases. This is the emptiness that makes preaching not only credible but powerful because, y'all, never a soul converted without grace. And we forget that. We think that we're so clever that we could preach the gospel a certain way and people will follow Jesus. Never a soul converted without grace. Never. Right. So the conversion is a result of an emptiness of a preacher allowing God to use him to preach or her to preach. Yeah, we don't convert any, anyone. Jesus does. Right? Mm-hmm. It's God's grace. I mean, he could use us, you know, and we're broken and, you know, imperfect, but... It's through God's grace. Like, I can't tell you, like, my conversion moment wasn't, like, some great, like, event or preacher. Like, I was somewhere. But I can look back and say there must have been some grace that I heard something, mm-hmm. right, that, that I received something that – because it wasn't, like, it was, like, amazing. It was just, like, somebody said something that hit me in a way that, right, like, mm-hmm. I'd never been hit before. That's grace, and God's just kind of peeling that back. Um, for us to receive it. All right, we're going to take a break on the show. Uh, go to commercial break. We're going to stay live here on the Facebook feed as we record the Paul George uh, radio show and podcast. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org.
Welcome back to the show, Paul, George, Adam Conk, talking all things art of living, recording the podcast and radio show, and we are live on Facebook. Thanks for listening in today and being a part of the show. Um, you know, it's interesting in the Gospels this week, you know, we've been in the Gospel of John, um, and one of the famous uh, verses, you know, John 14, that chapter, and then it goes to John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, whoever believes in me will receive eternal life, right? Like that famous, you know, scripture. Um, you know, it's one of those scriptures that early on in my conversion, we've talked kind of about conversion and Paul's preaching, that I wrestled with that one scripture a lot, you know, in a good way. Like just really trying to like, you know, what does this mean? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me, right? That's powerful words from Jesus. And that's part of our conversion. Like when we are having this conversion, it's coming to understand is through Christ, you know, and that he is the way, the truth, and the life for us, you know. Yeah, you can sit with that forever. I mean, what does that mean, the way, the truth, and the life? And I think for me, the biggest realization about that reality is like Christ is not a dead person. He's not a historical figure. He's not a great teacher. He's present to me right now as my way, as my truth, as my life. So I don't need another way. I don't need another truth. And I don't need another life because he is always present to me. And if I'm focused on his presence, then I'm following that way. Then I'm living in that truth. I'm living that life. And if I'm not focused on his presence, I'm not, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. All right. We've got some questions popping up. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get to our six pack of questions. Question. All right, so a six-pack of questions. Who's going first? I'll start us off. All right, question number one. We talked about preaching today. Uh, Paul, give me one, if you can't think of one, maybe two of your most memorable homilies that you heard that really fired you up. Memorable homilies? Oh, yeah, like you're at Mass, somebody's preaching, and you're getting fired up. Maybe it was at a big event. Maybe it was a Pope who did it. I don't know. You give me a memorable homily. Memorable homily. I mean, mm -hmm. you know how many... Sermons and homilies I've heard in my life. Yep. But one stands out right now. One stands out. One stands out. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, this is like really unorthodox, but it stands out. <laughs> okay. Okay. There was this uh, priest preaching um, at a youth conference event type thing, you know, and there were some adults there. And um, uh, this one, he, he just was asking questions and then he stopped with this one kid and um this one kid asked if doing drugs was okay okay like this is a teenager doing drugs is okay so he gives a good obviously answer to you know, he just asked back he says well do you do drugs is that why you're asking and the kid <laughs> says yes i do and he goes what and he goes i sell them too okay so this is happening and he goes well how much do you make selling drugs you know, for whatever. This is in front of everyone. And I remember it. So you're oh, asking yeah. a memorable this moment, okay? Yeah. And he says, $50, okay, if I sell like this. And he goes, that's for you. And the priest goes, so if, if I give you $100, which is double what you would make, will you stop doing drugs? And it got like really quiet. <laughs> and the kid goes, yes. Yes, I will. And the priest goes, deal. 
we got a deal. And that just stuck out to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like seriously. Like yeah. it stuck out to me. Yeah. And that that was the that was that kid's like first day of recovery. Mm. That was that was the moment. Like I don't know what grace, I don't know how that happened, but I remember that like it was just Yeah. Wow. Incredible. So we have a question from Brenda Fox. Okay. She says, Paul, what was your favorite life-changing moment while in ministry? Hmm. While in ministry. I assume she means life-changing like for someone else. Yeah. Or for oh, yeah. Seeing someone's life change. <sighs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, gosh, um, there's been, there's been some, some pretty cool moments. Um, you know, uh, I've seen some pretty crazy things. <laughs> I have. Um, but I think one of the coolest moments, uh, Brenda, was um, in the year 2000, I brought, um, we went on a pilgrimage to Rome for World Youth Day. John Paul II uh, was still Pope. And I brought, you know, 100 folks from Phoenix. And um, I think of 100 kids and adults that went, no one came back the same. Like, I thought you were going to say nobody came back. <laughs> Some people almost did. That was another time I and almost I got actually, fired. And, and, I, and I actually threatened in Rome to send people home, you know, like at times. Mm-hmm. Like, you're out of here. You're going home. No, don't send me home. You know, but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, and it was a pilgrimage and it was difficult. It was hard. Like, we lost weight. We didn't eat good, you know, we, but the grace from that, like, if I run into anyone who was on that trip, they remember that trip, they remember moments from that trip, and there was graces from that trip of conversion that people, I think, still look back on and rely on for their faith now today. And that's what you're talking about earlier, Adam. Like, there's just grace moments that we don't create. God creates the grace moment, and He is the grace. Like, it's not us. You know, I was just stupid enough to take a bunch of people to Rome at a very young age and almost didn't make it back. But, uh, you know, Brenda says uh, you guys stayed in a garage, right? Yeah, on a garage <laughs> floor, like a like a factory floor. We slept on a factory floor. So, well, and suffering is is an investment in grace. You know, That's grace true. converts. When we suffer, it's like an, we're depositing money into that grace account. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number three. Um, we talked about preaching loses its salt. Give me your your time where you thought you just nailed a talk, or you thought you just nailed a situation, but it did not work out the way you thought. <laughs> I was like, man, I did really well. Well, but then, I don't, like, <laughs> I don't ever think I do well. Really? Not, don't ever think that that was good. Every time, you know, Gretchen will say, you know, how'd the talk? I was like, I don't really know. I just, I did the best I could, but it was probably not good. But I will tell you this moment where uh, I've had moments, especially when I was younger, where like something flew out of my mouth, and I was like, oh, how'd that happen? <laughs> and uh, yeah, th- I've had those moments. You know, mm-hmm. that were pretty hysterical. All right, well, then tell me a moment where you thought you bombed it, but actually you just really connected with people. Like God's grace was so much bigger than what you thought. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I just uh, always just say like, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm called to speak or say something, just say it and then get out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, I don't want to ever really sit around for feedback because then it's, it becomes about me mm-hmm. and not God. So I just don't think in those terms, mm-hmm. right? Whether I did good or bad or whatever, you know, I'm sure there's times where talks weren't great and I'm not, and it's just like, I got to let that go. Right. You know, right. I just got to, I just got to let it go. It doesn't matter. And I think as you soon to be a deacon, you know, you're going to, 
often or every now and then be given homilies. Mm-hmm. All you could do is prepare, pray, and then like you just give it and let God take it. That's all you can do and yeah. step back from it, you know? So that, that that's really that's really it, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Paul Randall asked, what is your favorite style of prayer? Gosh, Randall. Man, uh, I was actually thinking about that today. Really? I was actually mm-hmm. really, this is so random that Randall would ask that question. And here's what I was thinking about. I was thinking, um, wh- like, who is to tell me what prayer is going to work best for me right now? Or, you know, it's like, well, if you pray this way, or if you listen to this music or mm-hmm. chant it this way, it's like, well, I, well how do you know? Like, that's going to work for me where I'm at. My favorite type of prayer is any prayer that's going to bring me to contemplation where I can just feel the presence of God or be in the presence of God and listen. And it's not often where I feel like I can get to that place where it's just silent and I can listen, you know? So it can be any type of prayer that's going to get me to that, (laughs) you know? And there's seasons where certain prayers or types of prayers or types of worship or music or whatever kind of readings lead me to that. And I, and I just try to be docile to knowing where I'm at and what I need. I, I don't know about you guys, you know? Yeah. Especially I, I thought about the reading today from John 14 and the dwelling place. Hmm. And, um, that's one of the ways that I found that's helped me imagining. And, and I don't know if I could say reach contemplation, but, um, Imagining that dwelling place and as a place where I can have sort of intimacy with God. Which is contemplation, and, right? right? Just to be uh, great to hear from you, Randall. Man, I hope you're doing well. I haven't seen you in a while. So, right yeah. on. Well, yeah, question what, number six. Wait, we're already on the sixth question? Yeah. I think we're on the, the fifth one. Oh, no, it's six. One, two, three, four. Oh, you're right. Fifth. See? Gosh. Good thing we have we did producer. the back and forth. Producer Chad's, Chad's on it. I'm here. Yeah, he is absolutely. on it. I can count. And uh, <laughs> great questions. We got some great yeah, questions. Great yeah, questions. Yeah. So. Question number five, then. Um, so we talked about people going back to Mass and having this renewed appreciation for their faith and for the Eucharist and all this stuff. So how do we keep that? Because, you know, for a lot of us, like, we go on a retreat or have an experience where we get that enthusiasm, we get that zeal for the faith, um, but a lot of us struggle to actually stay in that zone with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. So what do you suggest as we move into the fall for people's relationship to the Mass or their family or their faith um, to kind of keep this investment going well i mean just stop going for eight weeks get fired up and go back (laughs) (laughs) you know we we gretchen and i talk about when we do marriage stuff that one of the myths of of marriage is that love is a feeling right that um you know and then if i don't feel in love or feel passionate about this person then something must be wrong things are falling apart and i don't want to do it anymore now both of you guys are married so you kind of understand what i'm saying but so is true in our relationship with God. Like, it, faith is not a feeling, you know? Certainly there's times where we enter into that, that space of contemplation, and uh, we're, we're in that place of affirmation with God, not desolation, you know? But there are times where it is desolate. There's times where it is suffering. There's times where we don't feel like getting up and praying or going to Mass. Um, but at the end of the day, like... A relationship isn't is about commitment. It's about you know constantly investing in it. So I know for me, like you know the ups and downs, like it's just it's showing up. It's 
it's committing to my commitment. And, and I know that if I show up for those grace-filled moments, mass, confession, prayer, that God provides the grace when I need it the most. And I can't decide when that's going to be. I can't tell him, you know, mm. I just got to show up. And the same is in, in our marriages is like, there's certain moments where it's like, wow, this is great. This is grace field. It feels awesome. This is good. And there's times where it's just like, it's just a day and it's like a day together. And, you know, we're in, living life together and there's, there's no stars floating over our heads. Right. The same as our relationship with God. And this is what I find is oftentimes people kind of give up on their relationship with God and faith because they don't, not much as they're not experiencing movement or, you know, the feelings the, starting to the fade. The feelings starting to fade. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Do you guys want um, to add to that at all? No. Okay. Well, I think the, um, the fuel for the fire, for that fire is conversion. And you can see it in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a book of conversions. Everyone's converted. No, let me ask left you, and right, they're converting. Absolutely. Right? So people go back to those conversion moments. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you remember the day you got married? Yeah. Do you really remember the day after or the third day? No, but you probably remember the day. And that day was pretty cool, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in times of marriage where it gets hard, like I just think back to the moments that are good. Man, I got married. I made that commitment. It was awesome. Man, I remember this day and this day. And that pulls me through. My relationship with God through conversion, you look back on those moments where God was there, where he was faithful, where you did feel his presence, and you go back to those moments, and that kind of pulls you through this moment where you're not experiencing, mm-hmm. right? I, th- I think, and maybe it's, I mean, I've experienced this in marriage, and I think it's taught me a lot about my own relationship with God, and that, like, trusting my wife, and, and you know, sort of entrusting myself to her in, in, in a way has helped me understand what it looks like to grow in that trust of God. Hmm. Like just yeah. being, yeah. And, and so it can, I don't know, I love my wife even when days are difficult. And I know that I love her. And so, but I know that I've grown that relationship to that point, to this point, and, and really invested in it. I think it's helped. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, remember, God hasn't changed at all this whole time. It's us mm-hmm. who've changed. So if we got on fire to go to Mass for the first time in eight weeks, it's not because God did anything different. It's because we changed. And what changed about us? Well, we couldn't go to Mass. Well, what effect did that have on us? It made us humble, made us hungry, and all these things. So God used the means to affect the change in us. We changed, and we became hungry. Absolutely. We can always change. And that's the thing. That's the If we want to still be on fire for the Lord a year from now, we have to focus on our own conversion. We have to grow in holiness, grow in virtue, grow in prayer, and most of it, like Paul said, is a day in and day out just living life, but being faithful changes us. Being faithful to your marriage changes you. You're not mm-hmm. the same husband after a year. If you're faithful for a whole year of marriage, you're not the same man. You're not the same woman. If you're faithful to God for a year, you're not the same person. Right. It builds in the virtue you need to commit to stay faithful. All right, question six. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to clarify. I know people can't all make it to Mass right now, right? Absolutely. Um, before I ask this, but... Uh, Surely there are some people at home that haven't gone to Mass this past week outdoors, and maybe they're wondering why outdoor Mass is not enough. I mean, I'm sorry, online Mass is not enough. Like, why can't they just, you know, even when things open back up, just watch Mass online or on TV or whatever without actually having to show up? Even though we've had outdoor Masses here, people, mm-hmm. folks are still dip- dispensated from going. 
right, right. So, right. so just so everybody knows, like, right? I think mm-hmm. that's the right way to say it. Dispensated. Um, <laughs> uh, we have dispensation. Yeah, the op- from the obligation. They're, to, they're dispensed from oh, going yeah, to mass. There you go. Yeah. So, um, keep them dispensated. Dispensated, right? <laughs> so there, so there is still that. So, right. so you're not obligated to go. If you can, it's great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's certainly not the same. And Adam and mm-hmm. I have talked about this that it's not the same of watching mass on TV because mass is is um, you know, and Adam, you can add to this, but you know, it's it's sacramental, it's communal. What what makes God present isn't just um, the Eucharist. It's it's the Word of God and it's the congregation, it's the people, it's the community where God is present in those three. Right. And that's what mass is about. So virtually, although we've had to do it, it's not the same. That's why they call it a spiritual communion. It's not actual physical communion. Yeah. For 2000 years, the church has been trying to convince people that you're not a spectator at mass. And in particular, the past hundred years, like mass is not something we go watch. You know, like if you're watching it online, you're watching it online. Now you can try to participate as best you can. You can pray that act of communion. You can pray the prayers as I go. Sure. But like it's not something you watch, it's something you do. And everyone who is at Mass is an active participant in what is happening. You know, and so if we don't go to Mass, we're not doing our work as Christians. We're not doing it. You know, so I do I am a little worried that some people are just gonna say, Hey, I can just watch five masses a day at home. I don't need to go to any. But that's not this like you're not showing up to work. Imagine if I if I said, Hey, I'm not coming into work today, I'll just watch a live camera of my office from home. My boss would say, well, you're not working. Christians, part of our work is a weekly mass. Like, that's what we do. We go to offer the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the salvation of the world every week at least. This is our work. We have to go. Um, so don't fall into that trap that online mass is the same. When things get back to normal, we got to go back to mass. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're homebound or right. Right, dispensated. Right, right. <laughs> Keep them dispensated. Dispensated. Uh, that's my new word. That's a good one. Yeah. I like it. I mean, you you both knew exactly what I was talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. I think this is how new words are added to the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> they just work. I mean, I grew up in a time where the word tweet was not a word. That's right. It was a word for birds. Right. You know it's a new word people use a lot? That's not a word, but it might be irregardless. Not a word. Wait, that people... Oh, yeah, you, people say irregardless all the time. Instead of regardless, regardless <laughs> they say irregardless. Right. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many words in the Cajun language that we can talk about oh, all day yeah, for those ball. of you guys who aren't from Louisiana who sure. are listening to the show. So, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so, anyway, great six-pack of questions. Um that was awesome. Thank you guys for listening to the show today, whether you're on the live Facebook feed or on the podcast or on the radio. Uh, thanks to Christ Our King Communications, KLFT Radio, for um, for airing the show. You can listen to that Friday afternoons or Saturday mornings for the show. So, um, you know, share the show on podcast. Um, that'd be great. And uh, you can go on SoundCloud, Google Play, or iTunes or discovertheartofliving.com to share or get the show. So we'll be back next week. Thanks to producer Chad and Adam Paul. Paul George. God bless.